Hi, I'm Keith Deason, and this is From the Ground Up, a podcast about how we make what we make, the materials, the tools, and the stories behind the things we build. It's a pretty good day for a gatherer. The sun is shining, the weather is balmy, and fortune smiles upon you because you can hear buzzing. You're standing at the precipice of a rocky outcropping, overlooking the deep and winding riverbed you call home. You inch closer to the edge and look down, between your feet, toes overhanging the edge of the cliff, and you can make out a protrusion, under which certainly hangs your prize. This isn't your first time out. As an experienced gatherer, you know what to look for. It's time to descend. The climb down is tricky, but not nearly as precarious as it used to be. You've brought a new tool along to save your fingertips, knees, and feet from the sharp rock wall. Solid branches laid out in parallel and bound together by reeds to form a very early, very useful ladder. Stepping down each rung, sliding your hands down the smooth reeds is a joy compared to scaling the face of the crag, but the task ahead is still perilous, and the buzzing grows louder. Carefully, you move downward, rung by rung. You see the roundness of the hive emerge from beneath the jagged overhang. Slowly, deliberately, you open your satchel and begin breaking off pieces of the comb and placing them in the bag. There are few who are capable or willing to perform this task within the tribe. Yours is a venerated position among the families with which you live. The honey you bring to them seems as if it is a gift from the gods or the earth itself, and certainly it tastes finer than anything you've ever eaten. The intermittent stings from the hive's occupants cannot deter you from your mission. Continuing to break off and stash away combs, you make sure to focus, to keep your head clear, and keep a tight grip on your ladder. The task done, the physical price paid for your treasure, you ascend the rickety contraption noticeably hastier than when you climb down. There is no need to suffer the pain any longer, it's time to bring home your spoils. As you recount your day to those who live with you in the caves below, one of your tribe calls you over to a wall near the back of the chamber. Here is where he documents the great adventures you share together, the best of days, with his paints and powders on the gritty surface of your stony, shared home. He brings you closer, and, near an image of the great hunt you had in a previous season, he has commemorated a new tale. You were there, dangling dangerously over the cliff, with your arm inside of a beehive. He chose this spot carefully. The hive is painted into a divot in the rock. It's a masterful trick. Your arm looks as if it is truly entering the treacherous hive. There are bees surrounding you. Just looking at their pictures makes your raised wounds ache. And beneath your form, laid out in long, slender lines extending below and above you, and the hive, and the bees, is the ladder. Spain, 1924. A local teacher is exploring a dry riverbed just outside of Valencia on the rocky eastern shore of the country. He comes upon a cave tucked away amongst the cliffs and decides to check it out. 
Within, he finds a wall covered in ancient paintings, scenes of a great hunt, arrows and spears, hands, and something not quite as easily understood. A man, surrounded by what looks like birds or gigantic insects, carrying a handled bag of some sort, is rendered in red near a small hole in the rock. It actually looks like the man is thrusting his arm into the hole. That's clever, if not a bit odd. And what's that he's standing on? Almost 8,000 years after that fateful day in the cliffs, collecting honey, the cave would become known as Cuevas de la Araña, or the Spider Caves, and that painting will become the first known recorded instance of mankind using a ladder. Hey, just jumping in here to tell you guys a bit about the show. From the Ground Up is an ongoing experiment. It is now and will always be available free of charge. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash keithdecent by leaving a review on iTunes or just by sharing your favorite episode. All Patreon supporters have access to behind the scenes and bonus content, as well as a new series of bonus episodes called FTGU2. I'd like to take a moment to thank the patrons who go the extra mile to make this show possible. Matt Comel, Josh Price, Phil Plant, Alex Krauss of Make My Day TV, Lila Naraki, Maker Geek, Infinite Craftsman, Vincent Ferrari, Ryan Ridgely of Barnrat Studio, Caleb Harris of You Can Make This Too, Jeff Shaw of Ideal Grain, and Johnny Bills. Researchers and historians agree that the actual usage of the latter dates back to times even before the cave paintings depicting their use. Certainly, almost every culture since has had their own version or take on the latter. The Egyptians, Greeks, Romans, Chinese, you name it. If there was a thing to be climbed, someone built a ladder to make it easier. Easier, however, did not always mean safer. John H. Balsley had seen the types of triangular ladders that some tradesmen used to reach higher ground when there was no wall or a post on which to rest a conventional ladder. They were crude, consisting mainly of two shorter runged sections with their rails joined at the top and a couple of braces set between them. He thought that these specialty items could be made convenient enough and safe enough for almost anyone to use. He utilized his skills as a master carpenter, like his father before him, and began working on the problem. Toiling away in his shop in 1860s Dayton, Ohio, he designed and built the first ever modern stepladder. Adding a hinge to the top and a folding inner support structure enabled the device to be folded flat when not in use, and stored away easily. He also replaced the typical rungs with flat steps, hence the term stepladder. He filed for a patent on January 7, 1862, and his invention was an immediate success. Marketed as J.H. Balsley's Improved Steps, the sales enabled him to buy a beautiful home in the Oregon district of Dayton, and live comfortably for the rest of his days. The stepladder, in one form or another, went on to become a staple of nearly every modern home. September 1871, San Francisco. The flames were out of control. The local fire department had been on the scene for hours, doing their best to try and subdue the inferno, but their equipment was lacking. The ladders they had brought could not reach the upper floors of the building, preventing any water from reaching the fastest spreading portions of the fire. 
Eventually, it was nearly all they could do to stand back and watch it burn. After the conflagration had subsided, most of the block had been utterly destroyed. Firefighter George Post was succumbing to his injuries, sustained when he was crushed by massive falling timbers. After an amputation of his arm and repeated life-saving measures, he became the disaster's human casualty. The chief engineer, Dennis Scannell, was put in charge of investigating exactly why this catastrophe had occurred and how it could be avoided in the future. On July 1st, 1872, his submitted report read as follows. After carefully weighing all the facts and taking into consideration the peculiar character of the building and the opportunity afforded for the spread of the flames by the peculiar construction of the upper portion of the block where the fire originated, I am of the opinion that had the department been supplied with ladders of sufficient length to reach the upper floors and had the supply of water been ample when the department arrived on the ground, a portion of the block might have been saved. I will add that in my opinion, the Hayes truck, which has been recently put in condition for service, will remove one of the causes which lead to so disastrous a conflagration as by the aid of this truck several streams could be placed in position on the roof of the highest building in the city in a very few minutes after its arrival at a fire. The truck that Scannell was referring to was the invention of firefighter Daniel D. Hayes. Hayes was a native of New York City and had served a stint on the city's then volunteer fire department on engines number 2 and number 42. He was also a gifted machinist with a brilliant mind. And after eight years of duty in New York, he moved to New Hampshire in 1866 to work with the Amoski Steam Fire Engine Company, who developed and manufactured steam-powered and horse-drawn fire engines. Hayes was put in charge of delivering five of those engines to the brand new San Francisco Fire Department soon after joining the company. He was offered the job of superintendent of steamers at the fledgling department soon after his arrival. He accepted and spent his time in the repair shop servicing the company's fleet of engines and working on a new invention. He took an old ladder truck, at that time a wagon that literally had multiple hooks with ladders hanging from them, and added a larger extension ladder to the top of the vehicle. He added a spring-assisted device to hoist the ladder into position and, in 1868, the first aerial ladder truck, often referred to as the Hayes truck, was born. The department purchased his invention for $3,000, but had little idea how best to work it into their operational scheme, and it sat, almost entirely unused, for years. The unfortunate events of that 1871 fire being the catalyst for its finally being put into full-time service. Nearly a year after the disaster, on July 4, 1872, the Hayes truck was heading up a parade, having been assigned to the city's engine number one. An alarm came in and Chief Engineer Scannell ordered the company to the scene, Hayes truck included. Hayes himself took up operation of his invention still unproven and the only one of its kind, and showed his genius, leaving no room for doubt about its capabilities. Hayes later sold another ladder truck to the Los Angeles Fire Department, and from there, they began springing up in cities all over the U.S. and even the world. The aerial ladder truck was not only important to the history of firefighting, but to that of cities themselves. Without the ability to reach the upper floors of tall buildings, 
Fire safety codes would prevent structures from being built at the heights that conventional ladders couldn't reach. The story of the Hayes truck is the same story as any ladder. It takes a dangerous job, whether installing crown molding, harvesting honey from a cliffside, or battling a raging inferno, and makes it easier and safer for everyone involved. Thanks for listening. Just a reminder that if you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash and you'll get access to FTGU2, the Patreon-exclusive companion show to this podcast, and some other cool stuff. Now, I have goals set to be able to produce more shows per year, so if you want more episodes, that's the best way to get it done. If you're strapped for cash or just don't trust them darn internets with your buckaroos, then please know that sharing the show with others or just leaving a review on iTunes or your chosen podcast aggregator does a lot to help as well. Until next time, this is Keith Decent saying, Later, makers. <laughs>